What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Man Behind the Beard with your host, Eric. Today, I have another special guest, a longtime friend, softball buddy of mine from the Marine Corps of all places. Yeah, we hit the Marine Corps today. Q. We call him Q. His first name's Quentin, but we'll just keep it at Q. How about it? Hey, man, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to. Throw a little context, let everybody know we we met essentially in the world of softball. Um, and if anyone that's been in the military knows, that is pretty big thing um, with us military folks, uh, because one, we're all type A's, two, we're super competitive, and three, uh, we just have a lot of fun. Um, and it doesn't matter what branch of service you're in, softball, softball, everyone is the same in the diamond um and that goes for most things when we start joining up different service branches uh together but i want you to let everybody know who you are and what you're about and um how long do you serve what you do in the in the marine corps things like that yeah for sure um <clears throat> well uh my name's you know quentin like you said i'm from uh omaha nebraska originally and uh, I graduated high school in 1995 and joined the Marine Corps. I knew very early age that uh, I wanted to be a Marine. And uh, kind of a story behind that, maybe we can talk about. But uh, so I graduated in, in May and I was in boot camp in July. Um, I, I served for 24 years, uh, just retired. Uh, my retirement date was uh, September of 2019. And so I decided, you know, to move back to where I'm from. It was kind of, kind of funny that I joined to get out of here, traveled around the world, and decided this is where I want to be in the end. So, so here I am. I was a, uh, I joined the Marine Corps as an electronics technician. Um, not really what I really wanted to do. You know, I wanted to blow things up. But uh, my, uh, when I when I took the ASVAB, I was 17, and when I wanted to join, I was 17. And, um, went down to talk to the recruiter and, and he said, well, what do you think about being uh, a tank driver? And I said, that sounds awesome. That's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> so, uh, went home and, and talked to the, talked to my dad and told him what I was going to do. And he said, no, nah, I'm not signing that paper. And I said, what the hell do you mean? You're not signing that. He goes, I'm not signing that. You're going to, you're going to do something that, you know, you're going to walk away from the Marine Corps with some, some sort of skill other than blowing things up. So. After a long debate, basically him telling me, uh, get my ass back down there and talk to him again. I, I joined as an electronics technician, air traffic control community. And, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So let everyone, you're, you were enlisted. Uh-huh. Yep. And, the, I, I, and then you transitioned over to the officer side, correct? Yep. Sure did. So, uh, you know, I, I was an enlisted guy. Um, I, I was enlisted for just uh, 11 and a half years, I think just short of 12 years. And, uh, and I had a bunch of my, you know, people I worked with people I worked for on me about putting my package in for, to become a warrant officer. And, um, I know, I know that air force doesn't have warrant officers. They used to, uh, they don't anymore, but basically what that is, is a, a subject matter expert in the field that you're in. And, and, uh, so not every every MOS, every job has warrant officers. It's usually your technical type uh, MOSs. So anyway, after much kicking and screaming, I didn't didn't want to do it. I, I liked being an enlisted guy. I put my package in um, for whatever reason. I, the Marine Corps saw fit to select me to become a, a warrant officer. And uh, and again, I, you know, looking back, I I wouldn't do it any other way. I'm so I'm so glad I had those people in my life telling me to do that. And then I went on to uh, go one step further. And, and in the Marine Corps, we have what are called uh, limited duty officers or LDOs. And so another selection process, another package. Um, 
so I, I throw that in and, and get selected for that. And then, you know, I jumped from chief one officer three to captain and then ended up being a major and then retiring as a major out of the Marine Corps. Man, that's a whole lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's to some, some looking out, looking inside, inside that cool Marine Corps box of yours. Um, if you want to call it that, um, they would be like, this guy just didn't know what the hell he wanted to do with his life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and, yeah. and, and some of us in, and you know, 20 years as an enlisted guy, um, I think, and I can speak for a lot of us, uh, we, we view our prior enlisted now officers or warrants, uh, a little bit differently than we do our ROTC or Academy or military Institute, uh, graduates. Sure. Um, then, or, I don't know how what they called them in the Marine Corps, um, but in the Air Force we we called them ring knockers. Um, yeah, <laughs> we have them as well. Okay, yeah. So yeah. because they always uh, Air Force Academy, they always wore their their cool Air Force Academy graduate rings. So you mm-hmm. knew they were Academy grads. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have, they have that with the Naval Academy guys as well. Okay, all right. So so yeah. there there's not much difference there when it comes to. The academy grads. Rotsy's a little different. Um, we 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 just call them confused kids uh, that, <laughs> that just needed to do something after college. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like your 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 like story and your your life behind the Marine Corps is man enlisted for eleven and a half years, and you're like, you know what? F it. Like these people will won't stop bugging me until I put this package in. Boom. Packages in, you're off to school, you graduate school, you got warrant on, you get to warrant three, and then you hit that LDO. And like, I'm sitting there going, what really? I mean, <laughs> like, what was really going through your mind when, when, I mean, you're warrant officer three, right? At the time. Right. And you go, you know what? Why not? Like, what, what's going through your mind to, before you put that package in for LDO? Well, uh, so, so at chief warrant officer three, and I'll just, I'll just throw this out there real quick. There, there's a lot of Marines that don't, don't know what an LDO is. It's kind of a, it, it, it's a fun. I mean, we all learn it in boot camp. You learn the rank structure, right? You learn all that you learn about LDOs, but in boot camp, it's so, you know, stressful, hectic. You don't, you don't remember that kind of stuff. So if you talk to a ground side Marine, an infantry guy or artillery guy or, um, somebody who's really not in a technical MOS and you tell them you're an LDO, they, they don't even know what the hell that is. So don't, you know, if any, anybody who, does, <laughs> who doesn't know what an LDO, the LDO is, it's not a Marine or not in the Navy. There's Marines that don't know it, but back to your question. Um, so at chief one officer three in, in my job field, I knew at that point, I knew pretty much what my path was going to be until I hit that 20 year mark. And so when I put my package in for LDO, let's see, I think I was at uh, 14 years in the Marine Corps at that point. Um, but, but I could pretty much just know it, it, there's so such a small community to begin with, and then a small no- number of warrant officers and a small number of duty stations and jobs. So I could just, I just knew what lied ahead of me. And it, and it wasn't anything terrible. It was just that there was no other options and I knew what it was. And so me being the kind of guy I am, I I'm always looking for the next challenge. I get bored pretty easily. You know, a, a lot of people complained about, um, and I did too, I was guilty of this too, but a lot of people complained about moving every three years or going to a different duty station every three years. I I was more welcoming it. I mean, I hated, I hated moving. Don't get me wrong. I hated packing my stuff and TMO breaking my stuff and the movers and, and moving across country or overseas or wherever. However, I embrace that idea of just a new job. I, I get bored really easy doing the same things over and over again. So um, putting in my package for LDO, it, it was one that I, I uh, struggled with. Um, I had my package put together, assembled, you know, in, in the folder and all the paperwork that's required, the, the uh, endorsements you need from your commanding officer, the, um, you know, your ASVAT, all the stuff, this big gigantic package you need to submit to even be 
considered. It sat on the corner of my desk probably for six months. And I was really back and forth about, do I want to do that? Do I, cause, cause when I go from warrant officer to LDO, I stay kind of in my same field, but it's expanded. So to that point, I'd been in air traffic control. I, I'd done, I did everything air traffic control from working on the equipment, working on the navigation systems as a technician to being a uh, maintenance officer when it, it comes to operational planning uh, and looking at you know, different scenarios, deployments, where, where's the best spot to stick this radar to get the best coverage? Where's the best spot to stick our comm uh, suite so, so we can get, you know, the best comms, that type, type of stuff to where I was stepping out of that box into an air defense uh, slash ATC scenario. So I was going into uh, uh, an area that is kind of related, but different in that new radar systems that I had never really dealt with before. Um, new comm suites I'd never dealt with before. And immediately as an LDO, you're expected to be answering those questions to your commanding officer uh, in, that, in that billet, you know, uh, when it comes to operational planning. And, and I was really nervous about that because I, I knew my gear really well. I knew my area really well. But it's, it's almost like, okay, now you slap on those captain bars and go. You're expected to know everything. Right. Um, so what really set me over the edge one day was, was a, a buddy of mine. He's, uh, he's a retired Marine LDO as well. I was stationed in Hawaii at the time. Um, Brian Mackey's his name, but he's a civilian there. He's a GS 12. He, he walked in my office and, and he, he's been seeing it sitting there forever. And he said, just throw that thing in, just, just submit it. Trust me, just, just submit it. And so I said, all right. And boom, there it was. So, so could there have been a little bit of, of angst or, or wait time due to the fact that, I don't know, like maybe some, you know, family, family things, like, like you said, you like moving around, even though that, you know, there's some negatives to all that you get bored sitting in one spot too long, but some of your, your, what we call limb facts or, or limiting factors could have been some of the family issues or fun, like, I got, I got a family. They got to follow me too. You, you know, not, not really. Or do you um, have, or do you have a family that was like, let's do this? Like, exactly. Very supportive. So I, I don't know if I told you this or, or maybe you knew this already, but my, my wife was a Marine for 10 years. That's where I, that's why I was saying this. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I met her in the Marine Corps and, uh, she, she got out, you know, in 2004, um, but it was a, a family she wanted to stay in. It was a family decision. Um, back then it was, you know, right, right after, you know, uh, nine 11 and, and, and we were deploying quite a bit, uh, her and I, and, and kind of back to back to where, you know, I'd go and come back and it'd be almost a high five and, and she'd go. And, yep. and that was really, really hard on the kids. And, and you know, my kids are, are young at that, that point. And so, you know, it was kind of a, a mutual decision that, she's she's going to get out to kind of be the stability to be the backbone for the kids and i stayed in uh, but, but that aside no she tiff uh in particular was like no go for it she was she was always pushing me right. and always has and uh was down for whatever you know whatever crazy idea i had or whatever crazy du you know duty station i wanted to go to she's like let's go and uh you know my kids being you know they they are the definition of military brats you know they when you ask them right now uh dalton or kelsey my, my son or my daughter where they're from they stumble a little bit they 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 are you know if they have to think about it like well i don't know where i'm from you know if, if anything mm -hmm. they'll say california because that's where they were born but they, they're from all over and uh and so i i, I feel kind of bad about that sometimes you know just kind of reflecting um you know, like I said, I come back, I came back home here. This is my home, the Omaha area. And, uh, they, they really don't have that. Um, but they're, they're very resilient and, and they were the same kind of way. If I, you know, when I came home on, on days or, you know, I found out my, what my next orders were and, and I told them and they were, you know, like, okay, let's go. And so see, now, and see, that just kind of cut you off real quick. That And yep. I did it, my wife and I did it in reverse order. So like like you and Tiff, 
you, you I had kids um, that essentially grew up in the Marine Corps uh, as as what we like to call military brats. Like my wife and I, post 9-11, we didn't have kids yet. Um, we were both mill to mill, and we mm-hmm. were doing exactly like you and Tiv. Like we were high-fiving it. Like we, we mm-hmm. felt like roommates. Yeah. It, it didn't yep. feel like a marriage. It felt like, like I got a, a female roommate. Because as yeah. soon as I got back from deployment, she was walking out the door with her bags and she was gone. Yeah. And, you know, Air Force, we were doing six month tours. Uh, yep. And it wasn't until I was lucky enough to get an assignment in San Antonio as an instructor where I was like, oh, I'm not going to deploy um, mm-hmm. because I'm doing instructor duty. But she continued to deploy until she got she got pregnant. Um which, you know, we, we didn't start having kids till we were 32, 33 uh, yeah. and had our last one at 36. So now they're, they're still young. Uh, mm-hmm. Wife is still serving. I am now that uh, what I like to call the Penda, not the Penda. <laughs> I'm the yeah. veteran Dependa. Um, oh, I see what you did there. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> so, but it's, for me, it's, it's a learning curve because I'm so used to deploying. I'm so used to being gone TDY. I'm so used to not being home to now I'm home every day. Um, yep. I see the kids every day. We have weekends every weekend together. Like I am learning like, and it's, I hate to say it like this, but I'm, I'm still learning how to be a father. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. and it's really hard. Um, and I can, I can relate in a way but my mm-hmm. kids are still young, you know, they're nine and four. Um, yeah. and I like friends like you, like all of my friends that we have, <laughs> all their kids are like between 15 and 22, 23. Like, yeah. So, yeah. so they're on the back end of, you know, being empty nesters almost. Um, and we're like, well, shit, we can't hang out with you guys. We got a nine and four year old. You guys are ready well, to go out to the bars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's pros and cons, you know, me kind of reflecting on that as well. There's pros and cons. And, and to be quite, quite honest with you, we, you know, I didn't plan on being a father so young, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it was not a planned thing. Um, but I, I looking back, I'm glad that happened for a couple reasons. Uh, you know, like, you know, like now my, you know, my son, he's about to be 23, you know, he's, he's in college out here at Creighton and, and I'm, you know, I'm 43. So, you know, I had him at 20. Um, so him and I have a pretty tight relationship, you know, where, um, you know, we talk about, you know, girls or, um, just life less, you know, we, we still go out in the backyard and, and throw football around, um, you know, we can go out, you know, go hiking, do, do, do a, a lot of stuff to where, you know, I'm, I'm still fairly young in the big scheme of things to be able to do that stuff when he's older. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, you talk about your, your friends having older kids and going out to the bar and all that stuff. Well, that was, that was me and Tiff, you know, early on, we, you know, we had our friends, you know, when we're in our, you know, early mid twenties, even late twenties that are wanting to go out and do that kind of stuff. And we got kids. Yep. And so it's kind of, there's pros and cons and there's not, I don't, I wouldn't say one's better than the other. Um, but there, you know, absolutely nothing wrong with what you did, man. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I, I wouldn't take away a day, um, of, you know, when we had our kids, I mean, we had, we had our fun as young E fives, E sixes. <laughs> sure. Before kids. And, you know, but then I'm like, I'm super excited and happy. I get, to, you know, Next week, I'm starting. I got I, somehow I got roped into being the t-ball coach for my son's <laughs> t-ball. It's his first year. I did uh, that playing t-ball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, how am I? It's going to be like herding cats. Um, <laughs> yeah. So have some patience, man. I did that. Yeah, but but I'm super excited because he's excited. Like yeah, and all he talks about, like I I see pictures of dad, you know, playing softball or baseball. I want to do that. And I'm yeah. like, all right, well, it's called work <laughs> and we're going to teach you uh, work ethic because, yeah. you know, I'm that dad. I'm that dad. I got a freaking a net set up in the garage and we go out there like at the end of every day and he's, he puts in like 20, 30 cuts. 
There you go. And he, I mean, this kid's four years old, and he he wants to put the cuts in. And then we do the little drill where I roll the ball to him. He he watches the ball go in his glove, turns around, and throws the ball in the net. So, I mean, just establishing something for him. And then right after that, you know, my daughter's starting soccer. And they're trying to get me to be the coach of soccer. I'm like, look, people, like, I just, I'm starting my master's program at the end of March. Like, I can't be doing coach for two different sports, trying to work on this master's program. And, you know, I got a a huge job interview tomorrow. Probably, hopefully get this job, which, you know, if that happens, oh, my God. Like, it's like. If you didn't know, last year my wife was deployed, and I was I was like doubling up, tripling up classes to knock out my bachelor's, just mm. because I'm like it's free. Use the money that's yep. free. You know what I'm saying? So I'm yep. like I want to knock it out and get it over with, get it done with. And then the job started pouring into me, so I couldn't say no to extra money coming into the family. So sure. I'm like, all right, I think I can handle this. You know, first time. My wife's been deployed and it's just me and the kids, but I yep. got, I got this. I'm, I learned something in the military. I learned how to deal with this. No, I, no, the military don't teach you how to be a single, single daddy duty um, <laughs> with a full-time job and full-time school. Um, yeah. And I, I about lost it. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, I had to remind myself, my kids are watching me. My kids mm-hmm. are seeing what, like the hard work I'm doing, you know, I'm putting in the hours after they go to bed to do school and then I'm getting them up early the next day. And it's like groundhog day doing all that. Um, and now they see the diploma of my bachelor's degree and they're like, you're still going to school. I'm like, yep, I'm going to get my master's. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got all the, all the money left to, to still do a master's without paying anything. Um, yep. so, you know, it, and it's, I think it's helping my nine-year-old more so than my four-year-old because she's in that third grade stage where they're teaching them homework responsibilities and piling on homework on, on their plates. And she doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, well, I'm sitting right next to you. I got to do it too. So yeah. let's let's do it together. Um, yeah. All right. So get, get off that soapbox. Like we could talk for about 10 days on just our kids and and. Yeah. and you know well, how, how proud we are of our kids but. yeah well in the military i mean it's a test for kids more than a lot of people realize and uh but yeah it's something we could talk about for a long time if we wanted to but let's go into and and i want everyone to know and, and i look up to you and and that's that's another reason why i do these podcasts is everybody i bring on i actually i, I admire and aspire to be somewhat what you guys have done in my life from what I've seen. And that, that absolutely 100% is softball. Uh, number one's character, uh, the character that you hold and, and that teamwork mentality that you had on the, on the softball fields, uh, is, is can't be measured. Um, and you helped out like, like I wasn't the best. We all know that. Um, but I obviously was good enough to be in that dugout. Um, sure. And everyone has a role in when it comes to military softball. And if your role is to sit there on the dugout for five straight innings and then the coach goes, get in there and get a hit, then you yep. get in there and you get a hit. Like yep. that is your role. And then you come back to the dugout, high five everybody, have a drink of fireball or whatever's in the dugout at the time. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you sit there and you, and you cheer on the rest of the team. Like, yeah. And that, that's something like, the likes of you, the likes of Simp. The, I mean, I could go on of these big names that, that anyone in the military that's played any amount of softball would know their names and we call them legends. Um, <laughs> and I say I that because, because of the status that you guys have, have created and the legacies that you guys have created yourselves due to the fact that, you know, you played, we, we played the rec ball. We played the competitive uh, A, B, and C ball. We played the, you know, outside the military ball. And, but when you get in that military, that armed forces ball, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you, you did it. You went to the top, you played for the top. Like, and that's, that's huge. That's something that we all strive to do. You know, I got to make the air force team. And once I make the air force team, I got to make the all armed forces team because, you know, that's just one of those things that you can stamp. 
sure as part of your legacy and and seeing like the like i said the likes of you and i use simp because i've known simp for since 2003 when we were playing yeah when we were playing ball he he brought me in under his wing and taught me a lot about softball i knew some softball but he taught me like softball yeah Um, that guy's great in korea and you know the tournaments in korea are like no other um and then you know stayed in contact you 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 form a great bond a brotherhood if you will within the softball community um and it's it's insane Uh, absolutely that i mean look at us like we met through softball yep (laughs) you know it wasn't through a deployment where we ran into each other in uniform is out of uniform that we met each other and and you know got to know each other a little bit and like the the dugout shenanigans and you know i was always the little brother of the group um because let's be real i was literally the one of the youngest ones in that whole group (laughs) yeah unless we brought in a speed demon that was like 20 (laughs) they couldn't do anything but run really fast and catch a ball and we yeah. put them in the outfield. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I get on base, you're running, buddy. Be ready. Right. <laughs> but but yeah. take us take us through like like that work ethic that you put. I mean, because you put in hours to even yeah. get considered. Like that, there's a process for people that might not understand. There's an actual process to be able to wear that uniform that says Marine Corps that you're representing. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, man. So I think a lot of people in, in a lot, a lot of people who all, all, you know, I don't think they understand when, when, you know, even young Marines or, or, uh, say you're playing in a tournament and you're, you're playing in an upper division and you got some, some guys that may be playing, uh, you know, D's or E's or whatever, they, they don't understand that, you know, like for me, for, especially, you know, my, my, skill in softball was not God given, you know, it's not, wasn't natural per se. I mean, I, I played, you know, baseball as a kid, like a lot of people did. I, I played up until, um, well, I guess my stopped, uh, oh God, I think I played travel ball junior year of high school. Maybe I stopped. I can't remember. And then I, you know, got a job and other things became more important, but, um, just the hours that, I spent with, and with a, a lot of, a lot of my friends on, on the softball field, hitting batting practice, just hitting and hitting and hitting and hours and hours. And that I, you know, it was something I enjoyed, but not always. There was times that, you know, you know, for example, being stationed in Yuma, Arizona and, uh, Josh fight. I don't know if you ever met him or not. Yep. Uh, good, good buddy. Oh yeah, you did a yep. uh, good buddy of mine, him and I, we'd go out, you know, you get, your, your child break, your lunch break, you know, from 1130 to 1300 or whatever. Well, first thing we did was change clothes, fly out of the softball field and hit, you know, and it, and it may be 105, 110. And we're out there hitting, you know, in, in boots and utes, we're in our utility bottoms in our boots and, and skimmy shirts. And we get a couple buckets in just in time to, to throw your blouse on and get back to work, you know, it's stuff like that that I think a lot of people don't understand that you spent hours working on this, on the sport, working on getting better. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I remember same kind of, like you, you alluded to people helping you out and, and I can't name them all, but I, I can remember being, uh, a Lance Corporal, Corporal E3, E4 and playing, you know, on the rec team on whatever base I was at. And I wasn't, very good. You know, it was like a lot of people that had that mindset that, Oh, what's this softball thing? It's, this is crap. I played baseball. This is for girls, blah, blah, blah. And then see you get out there and you know, and you pop up seven in a row to the pitcher, (laughs) you know, and you're like, what the hell, you know, it's underhand. And, and then, you know, you got people that pull you aside that see some sort of, um, driving you or, or see that, you know, you have more tea and want to work with you. And, I had multiple guys pull me aside and say, Hey, you know, come over here. We're going to soft toss against this fence, you know, and, and work with me. And, and, uh, so yeah. And what, I think what really set me over the edge was, uh, 
I, I, ne- I didn't take softball really serious until later on, I guess, in, in my career. When I say later on, probably in my 30s. You know, I, I played and I was decent. I was good, but I didn't really work at it. I was one of those guys who would, you know, play rec, go play a tournament on the weekend, and that was it. You know, there was no batting practice. There was no take take ground balls. There was none of that. And uh, I remember the Marine Corps used to have what's called the regionals tournament. And uh, each coast would have it and overseas would have it um, where, you know, say East Coast, West Coast, whatever. Um, each base would have a team they put together and they would come together and have a tournament. And, uh, you know, for, for, you know, basically shit talking rights for who, who the best base was on the East coast, West coast and so on. And, uh, I got, I got to, uh, uh, so I was in Hawaii at the time, I think. Yeah. In Hawaii. And I went out and tried out for the base team and I made the base team. And this is probably 2010, I think. Um, maybe maybe before uh, um so anyway made the made the base team and we went to regionals that year and uh yeah i think it was 2010 2011 and uh so regionals was in 29 palms california so we flew from hawaii brought the team out and ended up playing out there and this was uh the last year they had regionals i don't think we knew it at the time but the marine corps was getting ready to cut that program cut that budget so yeah. Um, it used to be the coaches for the all Marine team would go to these different regional tournaments and they would just scout and they would look and they'd watch people play and they'd watch the different, you know, guys. And, and at the end of the tournament, they would, you know, they would pick people they want to come try out for the all Marine team. And so they would announce it at the end of the tournament, you know, so-and-so, you know, you got this award, whatever, and, and you got invited to the all marine camp and so on and, and go explain that to people you get invited you don't just show up with your bat and glove to a sure, tryout yeah. like and right yeah you get invited to these to these events and then you still got put in work because that you ain't sure. guaranteed on on that team just because no, you got invited like not at all yeah especially then you, you had you know the first step was to make your base team right which, uh, depending on what base you're at, could be pretty competitive in itself, you know. And so you'd have to make that squad, that roster on your base, and then, you know, be good enough that that base wants to pay for you to fly to the regional tournament and then show out at regionals, you know, have a good enough tournament to where the all-Marine coaches want to pay the money. Because everything's, you know, around money, right? Money rules the world. So, you know, even in the all Marine softball program, they only have a certain amount of money. And, uh, so especially if you're from a base like Hawaii or, or Okinawa, where it costs a lot of money to fly a Marine, you know, to, to usually the camp was on, you know, in, uh, uh, new river or cherry point on the East coast. So, you know, they're paying that, that Marine per diem, the plane tickets, so on and so forth for them to come out. And so they're not going to pay all that money for somebody to come out and suck. You know, and then and cut them and send them right back and, and blow, you know, whatever, $8,000 on that guy or gal, whatever it may be. Yep. So uh, anyway, so I, I that, that was the first year I got invited to come to camp. And so I went and I got cut. <laughs> and uh, that was an eye opener for me. I, I wasn't used to, uh, you know, failing. That's how I looked at it. You and, know, I failed. And some, some, and this is something that Simp told me about that, that service branch level teams and he told me i mean straight up he's like with anything you do especially with softball he's like when it's your time you show that you're the best teammate you show the the hardest work or um heart and then Mm -hmm. the hardest hustle sure you ain't got to be the best but you got to be the best at what you can do if that's that's a support role or you know you have your bombers you have your glovers you know you have like every different, everyone fills a slot. Yep. And he told me, he's like, he's like, you're one of the best teammates any team could ever have, mm-hmm. which means a lot to me, like, especially when it's coming from the likes of Simp. Um, yeah. And you can, you test it. I mean, I've, I've been in plenty of dugouts with you. Like, yeah, you know, there, there are some games or some tournaments we were in. I didn't start, but yep. there, there was any time you looked at me, you didn't see me with my head down. You didn't see me complaining. 
You didn't see me crying about, you know, I ain't getting my cuts that I deserve. Like, you saw me going, you guys are kicking ass. Like, let's keep going. Like, I'm here for the ride, bro. Like, yep. like you need yeah, me man. to warm up with you? I'll warm up with you, like, in between innings. If you need, like, what do you need? You need a beer out of the, the cooler? I got you. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but it's teamwork first, and it's being a great teammate yep. uh, before anything. I, and he told me that that's, like, some of the three key items they look for for the Air Force team. Like, mm-hmm. you could have a 900 batting average your whole your whole you know season and come to the Air Force camp and not even bat over two fifty. But yep. if you are the best teammate and you have the strong, you know, the best heart in it and the best hustle, no matter what you're doing, you're hustling, then you could possibly be on the team. Like yep. and then all of a sudden you come around and you go to the Armed Forces tournament and you bat eight hundred. Like and, you know, things like that. And and that's a lot of people don't understand the work that goes into something as stupid as softball, you know, that's a waste of time. Like we're putting in that work after our duty day is done, like, or yep. in between duty day, like, yeah. um, but it takes work. And that's why like the likes of you and Simp and the, and the others are, are held to um, a higher level, if you will, from our standpoint, from the likes of me. Cause I'm like, man, you know, I'm me. I'll never be a Q. You know, but well, but you know, I could put in the work like Q does, and eventually get to a level where Q's at. But uh, you know, we can never be like someone else. We got to be us. Um, exactly. And you have the well, most unorthodox freaking swing slash how your <laughs> hands are on the bat. Like people, yeah. when I say this, this dude hits piss missiles. Like the the softballs are big, but it looks like a freaking a golf ball when he hits it. That's how fast it's going through the air. People don't understand. You got to stand in front of that thing. <laughs> um, and these yeah. these are soft core uh, balls. Like these aren't these pro balls that that some people be using to look like they you know can hit ten thousand yards. But yeah, but yeah. like you know the league when they changed the ball regulations and they essentially were like sock balls. And you're swinging out of your shoes, and you're like, man, they ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and it's for, kinda, it's for a reason, though, because we're hitting so damn hard. Yeah. You know, That's kind of how I developed that, that swing was, you know, it, it, very, you know, I. Uh, and tell, I do, do the noise. You got to do the. <laughs> do, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Every time when you heard it, yep. that ball was going somewhere really fast. Well, you know, and I, and I, I, uh, honestly, you know, and I, I hate a lot of times that people get obnoxious and yell, but what, you know, you've seen me swing when I swing, I'm putting every ounce of everything I have into that swing. And, uh, you know, I, we, we talk about going to the softer, you know, the softer core balls. That's kind of when I started developing that swing I have now and, and my ultimate goal was, was to cut it, you know, to cut the, cut the ball and get it spinning. Um, because you know, you square up those, those softer balls and, and they don't do a whole lot, but if you can, if you can cut it almost like, you know, backspin on a tennis ball or yep. golf, you know, some people, you know, good golfers do it. And that's what I was trying to do was, was really catch it and cut it. And if you get it just right, you can get anything to go, any softball to go. And that's, that's uh, why, that's how you, the way you had your hand placement, it's almost like you, you had prematurely had your top hand over before you had, you know, when you swing through your top hand always goes over. Yeah. Um, but you had it in a, in a way where it was already preloaded to be over. Yeah. When you swing through. And, and that's where people, for those listening, uh, that helped him cut through the ball, cut it in half or, or put that backspin on it. Cause when the, the bat head goes through that ball, his top head is already over and it's spinning that ball backwards. Um, yeah. trust me, I pay attention because <laughs> I'm like, man, I was, I was more of a place hitter. Um, and I tried, I tried to spray the ball around wherever the pitch was at. I tried to go that way. There all, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. a lot of people, it's it's a mental game. Baseball, softball, it's a mental game. If I got people on second, third, 
and there's no outs, why the hell I'm left-handed? I'm, yeah. I'm pulling the ball. Even if the yeah. ball's on the outside, I'm trying to pull it. I can get two in instead of one. Um, yeah. You don't want to go to left field with no outs and people on second, third, because they ain't going nowhere. Like No, that's why I always say there's never a bad time to go to right. There is a bad time to go to left. Right. You know what I mean? So as a lefty, I was always jealous of that because, uh, you know, if I could, I would hit, you know, right side every time. Right. But I had to have I had to have the right pitch to do that. And uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a, uh, a very, you know, I try to take as much. Um, I know it looks complicated, but I, I'm doing all that kind of stuff to, to preload, you know, muscle memory. Right. So I don't have to think about it. So I've had so many people over the years say, God, that is not, it doesn't even look right. What, you know, I would never teach my kid that. And I don't think I would teach my kid that. And I always tell anybody, you know, you know, younger guys, especially are, man, can you, can you, you know, show me how to hit, teach me how to hit. And I said, don't, don't even try to do what I'm doing. I mean, I, I put hours and hours and hours because the margin of error on that style of swing is, is so much higher. Right. So if you don't get it just right, you know, you're going to pound it in the ground or you're going to, you know, so you have to, you have to hit it just right. Else it's not going to work uh, versus, you know, a nice level swing through the zone, you know, instead of me, you know, kind of tomahawk chopping, like right. I'm swinging an ax is kind of what I'm doing, you know, from, from up high on my, my back shoulder to down to my knee. Um, so I, I, I just, you know, I don't even try to tell people how I do it. You know, just, <laughs> that's why like everybody, like when I play on the, the unit team or whatnot, like I had a wide open stance when I was uh-huh. batting. So I literally like the front of me was facing the pitcher. Like I was squared off to the pitcher instead of like the normal stance in a, in a, you know, batter's box. And people were like, yeah. how the hell do you, how the hell do you hit the ball like that? Cause I load up. Everyone's different. Yeah. You know, I load up as the ball's coming and like you said, margin of error, like if I load up too soon, I'm going to get the, the back end of that ball. If I load up too late, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it foul or, sure. you know, things like that. And I was like hours and hours and hours on the softball field hitting. Yep. <laughs> and I just found my form and what was comfortable for me. Plus it, it helped, it helped me do that, that stutter step, you know, walk in the box and hitting backside. Mm-hmm. A lot better being open like that um, because yep. I could I could close in close it sooner and then just use it, throw the bat at it and just plop it over third base. Um, but yep. you know those are all just things you play with on the practice field and figure it out. Um, That's it, man. I think too many people you know try to mimic other people and and, and I was you know I was kind of guilty of that too when I when when I was you know younger and, and looking at people like. Uh, you know, like people like Jeff Hall and Brett Helmer and, you know, some of the, you know, guys who get paid to play and trying to, trying to do what they're doing in the box. And it, it just made me worse. I was going backwards instead of figuring out what works for you and working on it and screw what everyone else does, you know, you know, yep. take a pointer here and there, you know, whatever, but do you. And once I stopped doing, you know, stop trying to do what other people are doing and just went with my, you know, awkward um whatever whatever you want to call my swing and, and just did me the cutastic you know, swing is what i'll call it yeah it, it, and it, that's when i started hitting well and that's what i worked on and so yeah it's, that's it you nailed it man find out what works for you and work on it you know what probably bothered me the most during bp sessions is everybody's a home run hitter um, instead yeah. of working on their swing and working on those things everybody and wants to hit it over the man. fence and i'm like yeah like, got it, bro. Like, but you ain't gonna do this in the game because you're gonna be yeah. all like your heartbeat's gonna be all high rate and you're gonna get nervous and you're gonna freaking popcorn it. Like or or you're gonna be out of home runs, you know. Yeah, People or, gotta be able to hit. Well, that's what like the younger guys that didn't realize, like, hey, there could be a home run limit this weekend. Um, and have you didn't think about that? We have three dudes on the bench right now. That's our whole goal in life is to hit a home run, and once they hit theirs, we're done. Uh, yep. So what are you going to do now? Yep. And they're like, uh, hit it as hard as I can. I hope it doesn't go over the fence. <laughs> like, okay. Yep. And then you're going to have a, a home run out and then you're going to be paying for a lot of beer. Um, yep. I, 
well, I've played on team, you know, I played on civilian teams before, and uh, I, I agreed it with 100%. You know, they'd pull a guy if you hit a home run and it wasn't the right time, you got yanks. You got pulled out of the game, you know. Um, you know, if it was a solo or, a, a, you know, a two-piece or whatever, well, and that, you only got, that, you know, that's, that's because That's because they're looking at a team aspect. Yeah, it's a team, exactly, yep. It's not, it's not a you, like you went in the game with one swing. It's a whole team bunching up a bunch of hits and creating yep. a lot of runs. Like that, yep. that's the whole point. Like softball is more offense than defense. Let's be real. Oh, easy. If easy. You, in, in our leagues and our tournaments that we've played in, if you didn't score a minimum of 22, 23, you probably weren't going to win. Easy. Yep. And you're probably going in extras if you're at 21, 22 runs. <laughs> yep. And, and it comes that's down minimal. to the, it comes to that one dude that's a base hitter that that gets that that little freaking flop hit that wins the game. Like it's yep. not a home run walk off. It's freaking. I mean, there are walk offs. Don't get me wrong. We've had a bunch of those, but yep. it's more times than none. It's that kid coming off the bench that needs to get that hit to bring that run in. Like absolutely. But all right, like we could talk again. Another thing we could talk like days on. I could go on, man. Yeah. But I want to talk about, so you're back home. Are you, are you in Iowa right now? Is that where you guys live or actually yeah, so, in Nebraska? It, so uh, Omaha is, is, you know, right on the, on the Eastern edge of Nebraska. So, um, you know, the Missouri river runs down and splits Nebraska and Iowa. So um, I live on the Iowa side for a couple of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, to do what, I, what I'm doing now, which is the farming venture, the pastured poultry venture that I'm on now. It's like, hold up. This dude yeah. is in the Marine Corps for 24 <laughs> years, doing air traffic control stuff, doing all radar stuff, all this cool comm stuff. And now he's a farmer. Yeah. Like, never, where, where the hell did that years. come from? Is that from the, like. Funny you ask, because it was a podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It was Joe Rogan's podcast. Okay. So about four years ago, uh, Joe Rogan had a guy on. His name is Joel Salatin, and uh, he he's out of uh, Virginia. And uh, he is kind of the godfather of this pasture poultry uh, business. And so anyway, I listened to that three-hour podcast of him talking about why he does it, how he does it, and I was sold. I, I figured out. Right after that podcast was over, I knew instantly what I wanted to do in the second chapter of my life. So that's pretty cool. Like, I, obviously, I follow you on Facebook, and 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 I could be the first to tell you, like, absolutely one hundred percent love the fact that you do majors log, and, and it kind of like <laughs> I need the, to do more of that. Just the corny like snippets of your day, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just kind. It was my because I didn't know that side of Q. Yeah. Uh, like this dude's raising chickens and turkeys and building freaking coops or tractors as you call them. Uh, yeah. I was like, working on one earlier. Yeah. It's like, what, what the hell? How did I not know this about Q? But then again, we lived in the dugout. We, we lived in the I dugout. I didn't know at that point. Yeah. You know what I I'm didn't saying? know at that point. You know, I didn't know at that point what I was going to do this. But at, the end, but at the end of the day is, is, are you and the family happy? Absolutely. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, that's what, that's the only thing that matters. It, it was a, it, it was a thing, you know, like I said, I, I, I promoted myself to a point where I was sitting in a secure vault with no windows, you know, no cell phones, whatever had, you know, my handful of Marines that worked for me. And that was my day. And, uh, I, I said, you know what, what, what I, and I had job, you know, not to, you know, toot my own horn or anything. I had plenty of job offers after getting, getting out of the Marine Corps, staying in the community, you know, doing civilian versions of, of what I, you know, GS positions, whatever. Right. Plenty of those. Um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit behind a desk anymore. I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be outdoors. And, uh, and so I, I had all these different ideas about what I wanted to do afterwards. It wasn't until I heard that podcast that it dawned on me that all these things I wanted to do, which was work for myself, work outside, work with my hands, um, all that, you know, run my own business that I didn't realize that 
what a farm was until I heard that podcast. I'm like, well, no shit. That's it. <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, he talked about, you know, humane treatment of, of chickens, which, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with how Tyson and Purdue and these kind of people raise their chickens in the confinement houses, but it's, it's horrible. Try to visit one one day, see if they let you. I, I got a buddy um, that actually works for Tyson out of uh, Arkansas. Okay. He's, a, he's kind go. of a big guy. He, he told me all about it. <laughs> so you, you know, then, Oh yeah. Uh, and then, you know, me, you know, me, I'm a health nut, right? I, I, I PT like crazy. Uh, you know, I, I watch what I eat. So that was part of it. Um, and I just wanted, you know, I, I, I lived in cities for the last 24 years for the most part in the Marine Corps. I wanted to be out, out of that. I just wanted a break and some fresh air and, and no noise. And it, it, and it just happened that, this that's what it, you know this is what it equated to so i commend you because you you literally they're chicks i mean they're little baby babies a day you, old when i buy them and yeah. you you raise them up to yep. to eat and level and then like when i say this people like he goes from no shit from the egg to your plate that's that's him that's that's you and his family like legit they that that egg is cracked Baby chick makes his first sound. He raises them. He freaking processes them, and he sends them out the door straight to your plate, like legit. That is yep. that is awesome. Like I really think that's that's an awesome thing. It's re- it's rewarding, man. It really, I, I didn't think it would be as rewarding as it is, but it it, it just is. It's uh to know the animals live the best life they could, um. And to know that they're healthy and, you know, not pumped full of drugs just to stay alive. Uh, It's a very rewarding thing. And we're, and we're adding some things this year. We're adding, going to add some egg layers. Um, I mean, I got big plans for the future. Um, It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's everything, you know, I'm only a year into it. So, but this far, it's everything I've ever wanted it to be. And you can go up from here. Like there's, there's no, no other way, but up, right. Well, the good thing is I had more people wanting the chickens than I had last year. So that's a good problem to have. So, uh, like I told you, you know, before I, you know, we're talking here, I was working on another chicken tractor last year. I only had two of those chicken tractor, chicken shelters. So I'm starting this year with five. So we're, we're stepping up our game and, uh, and you're, you're right. It's farm to table. So we're cutting out the middle, man. So in, anybody who wants one of my chickens, um, I, I welcome them. I welcome them out here to the farm because another part of what we're doing is transparency. You know, if you're interested in where your food comes from, how it's being treated, come on out. I tell people that I don't care what time it is. You know, obviously if it's three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> don't wake me up. Just go look around. You know, I, I don't care. Um, so, yeah. so plug, plug your, uh, you, cause you got a website up running, um, got and you got some, you got some apparel and stuff that, that kind of helps and benefits, uh, with, I'm sure with food and all that other stuff with the, the chickens and turkeys and eggs and such. So absolutely. So the website, it. yeah, the website, uh, we just, we got up and published here a couple of weeks ago. It is paradigm pastures.com paradigm spelled P A R A D I G M pastures.com. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, you had people ask, you had people asking me for, Hey, you got any, you know, t-shirts, merch, whatever. And, uh, so we got some of those up there. We've got hoodies, we've got, uh, t-shirts and, and more designs coming. And here in the next month or so, I'll have, uh, the, you know, the chickens available for order on there also. So the one downside of this far, I'm looking into, I had a bunch of people asking me, you know, friends, military friends from all over wanting, uh, me to ship them out to them. Um, the downside of that is number one, shipping is going to cost as much as the damn chicken. If they order one, which you know, I'm sure some people will be willing to, to swallow. But the second problem is we process all of our chickens here, and that's for a reason. Um, and so to cross state lines, you're supposed to have an FDA yep. certified chicken. So uh, real quick, why we process them here is, is strictly for the animal's sake. Uh, again, a lot of those processing plants are, you know, the, the way they do it, I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, a lot of a lot of processing plants either you know electrocute the chickens uh, um, or gas them or some other method to do it and and we we treat our chickens ethically from day one to the day we process them um, 
in so far that, you know, the family and I, that we do it right here at the house, you know, we, we bow our heads and, and give thank you know, give thanks for, for their sacrifice. And we do it in a kosher style. You know, we're not Jewish. We're not kosher, obviously, but we do it in a kosher style because that's the most ethical way that I know of to do it. And, uh, and I'll, you know, a lot less stress on the chicken and, and a stressed out animal, you know, they release hormones and they taste different. So we're trying to keep it as low stress as ethical as possible. But the downside of that is that FDA certification crap. It's, it's really designed for the large scale chicken processor, which, you know, we're not. Right. That's awesome. Um, I am going to change gears real quick and say congrats, yeah. by the way, on your Kansas City uh, Chiefs yeah, on their boy. Super Bowl win. Uh, yeah. We had them knocked out. <laughs> and then uh, we have a head coach at the Houston Texans that decided to play a, l- a lot more conservative than he should have and yeah. let Patrick Mahomes come back and freaking destroy us. Uh, yeah, I'm still a little salty about that. Um you can't count out. You can't count out old Patty, man. Uh, Houston's good, and they're gonna be good. I'm, I I got to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of Bill O'Brien, um, and I can't put my finger on why. Just a feeling I have, a gut feeling. But the team in general, uh, they're gonna. You know, you guys are gonna be back. You'll be around. And now we'll step down to the the college level. Are you are you <laughs> Cornhuskers going to stay frosty or are they going to heat up a little bit? Jesus, come well, on! You brought back the legend to be your head coach, and he flopped last year. Well, that was his first year, man. Come on now, so, it don't matter. It's the it's the history and the traditions of Nebraska football because you know they were Big Twelve, and I'm a Longhorn fan. It was Dude. it was always it was always Oklahoma or Texas against the Nebraska or Missouri. Like, like yeah. every year, it was either Missouri, Nebraska on the north, and Oklahoma or Texas on the south. It's it's been a rough 15, 20 years for me, man. Um, you know, obviously being as big of a sports nut as I am, and, and Nebraska, you know, in the mid nineties, um, just unstoppable. The black shirts, uh, the black shirts. I mean, they uh, they finally brought them back. Finally. Like yeah, it, brought brought rough. back some of that old tradition that that helped the defense become a defense again. So the same thing I got to tell myself is give them a little pay, give them a little time. Give Scott, you know, Scott Frost doesn't even have his own recruiting recruiting class in there yet. He he is picking up the scraps and and doing the best he can with it. That guy is a hell of a recruiter, and uh, three or four years when he gets his own guys in there, guys he brings to Nebraska. I'm not going to say we're going to be back to where we were, but it's going to be better. And see, I'm little- saying I'm saying the same thing with Texas because this is the first year that the head coach of Texas has all of his recruits. There you go. And you go. and you know that's huge. I mean, we we showed out at the bowl. Yeah. Beating SEC teams the last couple of years and then like during the season it's like a big letdown because <laughs> yeah. if you're a Texas fan and, and, and you're anything Texas, the expectation is 10 plus wins a season. If you, <laughs> if you don't have 10 plus wins a season, it's a failure for the season. Same and thing here. The only thing that, that saved big Tom uh, is the fact that two years ago when we beat Georgia in the sugar bowl, um, that saved his job. Straight yeah. up. And then this last year, going in the bowl game and beating another SEC team um, handedly. But we can't beat Oklahoma for some reason. Yeah. Like, and, They've been good. And, well, yeah, they're not They're not freaking – they're not sorry. <laughs> but they suck in the playoffs. But yeah. that's, that's what I think pisses a lot of the Texas fans off is the fact that we're mediocre during the season and we blow up and freaking show out during the bowl game. And then Oklahoma shows out during the season and just completely disappears during a bowl game or a playoff game. And it's like, how can they beat us like that during the Red River rivalry, but then get to a playoff game and just don't show up? Yeah, exactly. Um, But we'll see. I think this this season is going to be, for for all college teams, it's unpredictable. I don't Mm. think there's one, like, true – dominant team this year everybody everybody's going to say lsu but they're going to be rebuilding a little bit 
Um, oh, it, it, for sure, man. They lost their quarterback. Alabama, Alabama players, once they, they went down the drain a little bit at the end of the season, all their players started transferring. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they're on a rebuild. Texas has got almost all their defense back, um, and they're bringing on a handful of offensive players. So we're pretty much intact. Um, like your team, like legit, they're gonna. They're. I think they're gonna have ten wins this year. Um, you think so? I do. I do. It's. It's either. I say nine or ten, but I think. I think Frost has is gonna have their his people ready. Um, yeah. And I think they'll get ten, and and get to a I really good that. bowl. And I think they're gonna show out during the bowl game. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that just because we're friends. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're right, man. <laughs> I, I'm not counting on anything for three years, but I'll take 10 wins next season if you're calling it. I, th- I really think that. Uh, a, lot's, a lot of things have shifted in the college football world. So we'll see. And with this yep. XFL that came out, I think it's going to change the mindset of a lot of the college players too that know they're not going to go to the draft or not going to get drafted like they think they're going to. They're probably yeah. just going to punch they're going to pop smoke and go straight to the XFL if it stays up. Yeah. It's a payday. Yep, for sure. So these big names we like in college that may not make it in the NFL per se, they're going to go to the XFL, show out, and then go to the NFL. It's going to be interesting. Um, But I like the XFL. I I really do. I like the new rules that they in place, and um, I think we're going to see some of those rules in the NFL this next season too. Okay, I haven't really been following it that much, but their kickoffs uh, are completely different. They get penalized if on the if the punt team punts the ball out of bounds. Um, it, huh. Like they have a two point, three point, or an extra point, two point, and three point conversions after a touchdown. So you could score nine points off a touchdown with the three point uh, conversion on top of that. What's the three point? You're back for you start back further. I think it's uh ten or fifteen yards. Okay, one, one play. Uh, the two point is your standard two point, like five yard line. Sure. And then your your uh, one point, extra point kick. Well, I think a lot of teams would would you know would like that three point option because when you're back further like that, it you ha- it opens up the playbook. Well, the, they're trying to keep the game interesting. Like for yeah. for kickoffs, they're trying to keep safety. Obviously, you know you're running full speed and you blow up somebody, you're both probably going to get hurt. But now yeah. it's like. All the, the the line guys are five yards apart from each other. The kicker's in a normal kicking spot. He kicks the ball. The returner's in their normal spot. Nobody can move until the returner gets the ball. Hmm. So you have you have the gunners and everybody that are only five yards apart from each other hitting each other within five yards and trying to get the runner. Like it's it's uh it's it's pretty cool. Like actually like, and then and then the punting yeah. Like if you you know how they do the angle punts and try to yep. try to get them within five yards, but they kick it out of bounds within five yards. That's a penalty. If it doesn't go in the end zone or or received and it goes out of bounds, it's a penalty on the the kicking team. I like it. So you get like an extra fifteen yards or something like that if you kick it out of bounds during the punt. So I like it. No, yeah, it, it, it definitely keeps the game going. Every player has headset in their helmet on offense and defense. <laughs> you, you don't even have to huddle. Nope. And you can yeah. hear like the fan on TV. You can hear the play call from the coach to the quarterback. And uh, same on cool. defense too. I like to hear John Gruden. Right. And then they have, they have, they have, fire banana. They, yep. They have <laughs> analysts on the sidelines. No shit. Like interviewing players that just scored a touchdown or, you know, in play, like right before they're going out on the field, like, what do you think about this last play? Blah, blah, blah. And like, they're legit doing an interview right before those players getting ready to go out back on the field. That's crazy. I'm going to check that out. So, yeah, I think Saturdays and Sundays, they have like two games on Saturdays and two games on Sundays uh, between, I think it's Fox or NBC and ESPN. Okay. But like legit, like I'll plug them. Like XFL, I like it. Uh, you know, I don't remember how many teams they have, but it's it's interesting. You got you got some old names in there. Cardell Jones is playing. Oh wow, McGowan is playing. Like 
some of the names you'll be like, I know that dude. And mostly <laughs> it's quarterbacks that we know more of than, than uh, you know, receivers or linemen or linebackers. But, yeah. But, I, I mean, they're showing out, and it looks good. And it's, I think it's going to stay for a while if they do it right. They're advertising right. They're, they're doing it right. I think it's they're, – they're emplacing rules that the NFL has been talking about, and the mm-hmm. NFL is getting to watch these rules play out. So it's kind of like a test bed for the NFL. The best thing huh. is when the umpires and the referees get together for a penalty, you can hear them all talk too. And then you can oh. hear the the guy that's reviewing the playback yeah. talk to the referee. Yeah, because I always imagine they get together and be like, I don't know what the fuck happened, man. What did you see? Like, seriously, know. it's like that on some of them. They're like, what would you see? I don't know. What would you see? Well, I saw this. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought I saw that too. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds believable. Let's do that. It's serious. <laughs> like that, and you hear that, and you're like, wow. You, get, you really get an inside scoop of what the referees are saying. Oh, I, might have to, I might have to give it a watch, see what I think. At least for a couple of minutes, and you're going to be kind of mind-blown because you're seeing a side of football that you don't see in the NFL. Gotcha. But I know you're busy, bro, and I'm going to get off here because I yeah, know man. <laughs> everybody knows he's in his truck right now. He just got done working on, like he said, one of the tractors. And, and, uh, well, I'm going to get back to it as soon as we're done here. See? See, I, I'm taking yeah. away some of your daylight. So, Well, you're worth it, man. I, you know, anytime. All right, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and we will talk again. I'll bring you back on, especially when we get some more leeway on on your uh, website, your business. I love where you're going with it. Uh, I love you guys. I love your family. You guys are amazing people. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, what do they say in the Marine Corps? Hoorah. Hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, Eric. All right, brother. Take it easy. Take care, man. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Young, or am I faking on the tip of my tongue? There's a sarcasm way.